0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 18. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Luke, chapter 18. Get your pen get your pad. Of course, you're going to take a couple of notes because God's going to say something to you and you're going to write it down so you don't forget it. We completed chapter 17 last week and we're going to get to chapter 24, which is the last chapter, I hope before Jesus comes. We've been in Luke for at least a year and a half, longer. It's been a minute. We've been in for a while, so praise the Lord. It doesn't matter because I don't think the Lord's going to care when we get to heaven. And he's going to say, well, how come you didn't finish chapter 19? (laughs) Get back down there and finish chapter 19. I don't think that's going to happen. So today I want to talk to you about the most important topic in all of the Bible for the believer. And that is, if you're taking notes, you write this down. That is the topic of prayer. Now, let me give you a few quotes by some great men of the past, listen at this. John Bunyan, you're familiar with him, he wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. He said, prayer is a shield to the soul, a sacrifice to God, and a scourge to Satan. Martin Luther, the leader of the Reformation, he said, prayer is a strong wall and fortress of the church. It is a godly Christian's weapon. J.C. Ryle, who was a pastor and a commentator, said, No time is so well spent in every day as that which we spend upon our knees. And from the Prince of Preachers, C.H. Spurgeon, he said, My heart has no deeper conviction than this, that prayer is the most efficient spiritual agency in the universe, next to the Holy Spirit. And Ray Stedman, who was also a pastor, a commentator, he said in his book, Talking to My Father, he wrote, true prayer is an awareness of our own helpless need and an acknowledgment of divine adequacy. For Jesus, prayer was as necessary as breathing the very breath of life itself. And Chuck Smith said, you can't do much until you've prayed but there's nothing you can't do after you prayed. Amen, saints? And it's interesting to me, as I think, you know, we would all agree that prayer is a valuable necessity in our lives, and most people would agree with that. But isn't it also true that it's one of the things that we don't do as believers as much as we should? We don't take the time to pray. I mean, prayer is one of the most neglected activities in the church. Prayer meetings are the least attended event in the church. And the truth is, think about this: we live in a time and an age where Christians spend more time in gossip than we do in prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. But we spend more time in gossip than we spend more time on Facebook than we do in prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. We spend more time in our financial investments than we do in prayer. We spend more time going to church events than we spend in prayer. Nothing wrong with going to church events, but how much time do we spend in prayer? And the truth is, prayer provides the spiritual power that you need for the upkeep of your soul and the upkeep of your church. I'm going to say that again. Prayer provides the spiritual power that you need for the upkeep of your soul and the upkeep of your church. Some years ago, we decided, myself, Pastor Jim, Melissa, and Ms. Elvira, that we're going to start to pray together once a month. And it was just us four. We would get together. After a while, add a little bit. But it was just us four. We would just get together and pray. That was years ago. And we are still now, that, that had to have been, I don't know how many years ago you think that was? Seven, eight, nine years ago. Maybe more? About seven, okay. And, and, and we have we, uh, been getting together ever since, once a month, as now as a body, as a church. We had a prayer meeting yesterday. And if you weren't there, you, you missed it. It was a powerful presence of God and, 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 a, and, and a great turnout. I mean, there was at least 100 people there, I would say, and that's a great turnout. But you know what? To me, I think it could be even better. Why is it that when you say you have a prayer meeting, uh, you get 100 people? That's good. And for some churches, that's like unbelievable. Some churches say you're going to have a prayer meeting, and they get like just the pastor comes true. So you say you're going to have a prayer meeting and you get 100 people come, but you say you're going to do some church event and you get 800, 900 people coming. When the fact is, when we say we're having a prayer meeting, we should pack both buildings. Because you know we got a sanctuary down in that building too. Because prayer is important. And even still today, we are praying and asking God, because I believe that Prayer is the power behind this church. People ask me all the time, well, you know, how did you get such a a good-sized church? People ask me all the time, well, how did you get the black people and the white people to come to church together? (laughs) Pastors ask, I'm not kidding you. They ask me, how did you get the black folks and the white folks to come to church together? And I tell them I didn't. I tell them two things. Number one, you teach the word. And number two, you pray. It's God's church. Somebody clap your hands like you mean it, would you? And you pray. It's so important to pray. I'm getting ahead of myself. Listen, take notes. This is important. Three important principles concerning prayer. Please write these down. This is what we're going to talk about for the remainder of our time this morning. Three important principles to prayer. Number one, don't worry. Do what, saints? All right. Can 10 people read in here? Only 10 people. I think everybody can read. Is that right? We're going to read it together. It's, no, it's not right. Somebody said, mm mm. All right, let's read it together. Don't worry, do what? Pray. There you go. Point number two. Don't quit, pray what? Persistently. And then finally, we'll talk about don't doubt, but pray positively. Don't worry, pray in verse one. Don't quit, pray persistently in verse two through five. Don't doubt. Pray positively in verses 6 through 8. I've titled this sermon, The Persistence of Prayer, and Luke chapter 18, we better jump right into it, beginning in verse 1. If you're looking at it, saints, say amen. amen. Well, some of y'all ain't looking. Luke chapter 18, y'all a tough crowd this morning. I want you to know, but you'll be all right by the end of service. Luke chapter 18 in verse 1, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. All right. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to do what? Pray and do what? Not lose heart, saying there was a certain, in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me, from my adversary, and he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God, are you getting this? Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming, she weary me. I'm going to just leave that alone for right now. All right, I'm going to leave it alone for right now. I'm coming back to it. I'm coming back. And then in verse six, are you looking at it? Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall not God, shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you in verse 8 that he will avenge them when? Speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention if you were with us last week. Were you with me last week? Just by show of hands. Were you with me last week? Okay, that's that's almost half and half. So last week, uh, Jesus was talking about the days of Noah. And he was talking about what the world would look like, what would be the world scenario um, when judgment comes using Noah as an illustration who built the ark for 120 years and people mocked and he was telling people, it's going to rain, it's going to rain and God's judgment is going to come, there's going to be a deluge and people mocked him and laughed at him and he hammered away at that ark in faithfulness for 120 years preaching about Jesus and the people didn't believe and they mocked him until that first rain drop. And then it was too late because God had already put Noah and his family in the ark, and he shut the doors. And then he was also talking about, last week we talked about, if you missed it, you pick up the CD, but, but we were talking about the days of Lot, the days of Noah and the days of Lot, and people were drinking and marrying and shopping and building and doing their own thing, and then God suddenly brought a flood, and Jesus told us you should take heed to yourself. Those who are seeking to save their life will lose it. And then he said, remember Lot's wife. Why? Because she longed for this world. But God destroyed the world suddenly. Now, listen, when the world becomes, and we talked about this last week, when the world becomes so morally corrupt that God can't stand it anymore, like a body on the side of the road rotting and vultures are gathering around it, what should we do in that end-time scenario, if you will, because we're talking about the end times? What should we do? We should pray. Jesus said in verse 1, point number 1, don't worry, pray. Jesus spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Is anybody listening? The Bible has a lot to say about prayer. I'm going to give you a list of scriptures, not that long. I could keep you here all day as to what the Bible has to say about prayer. But I'm just going to ask you to write down the scripture verse. Don't try to keep up with me in the words. Just write down the scripture verses as the Bible has a lot to say about prayer. Here's a few. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Anybody know the rest of that verse? Well, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. The effective, fervent prayer, anybody know the rest of this? Of the righteous man avails much. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath wrath And without doubting. Now, last week, if you were with us, Jesus had been speaking about, as I told you, the last days in chapter 17. Please get the CD, I think it was pretty important. And as I told you, in the bookstore, and as I told you, and and, and this is very, very key for you to understand uh, prophetic events. It's very key for you to understand that as you're studying the Bible, Oftentimes, Jesus is mixing his first coming with his second coming. So in one verse, he could be talking about his first coming, and then there's a comma, and now he's talking about his second coming. So in verse 1, Jesus tells us men should always pray and not get weary. He could be talking about the wearying effect that happens while we wait for his coming. It does seem like, I don't know about you, but it does seem like he's taking a long time. When I look at the news and I read about the horrible, horrible, horrific things that people do to each other and and to children, and I hold my grandbaby, she's eight months old, and, and I look at her and I think, how can someone hurt a baby? What is wrong with you? And you look at the things that are are happening in the world today and the things that people do. and, and, And in my spirit, I say, come, Lord Jesus. And it seems like he's taken a long time. Sometimes you say, Lord, where are you? But listen, at the end of the day, we have two options. We stress. When stress and difficulties come, you can either pray or faint or what I like to say, pray or pass out. Or you can First Peter 5, 7, it says the your cares upon him because he cares for us. I, for the last four, five days. You know, even Jordan. You remember Jordan Gibbs going home service last uh, um, Saturday? Thank you. It's a blur to me. And uh, last Saturday and, and, and all week long, I've been thinking about that song. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege. That's the key word. Did you hear me? What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Y'all know that song? Some of y'all don't know it. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. In their verse it goes, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not Carry everything to God in prayer. Can I tell you something? In the Greek language, here's your Greek lesson today. In the Greek language, the word everything means everything. Aren't y'all smarter now? Don't you just feel smarter now? Everything means everything. We should carry everything. And don't misunderstand me. Pastor Rodney is guilty. And we're all guilty of not taking everything to God in prayer. Don't you understand that God is concerned with everything that goes on in your life? But you think you got it. I mean, we, how often do we say, you know, God, I got this. I got this. I got, you know, you can talk, talk to the hand. I ain't listening. God, I got this. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. But we think we got this. You don't have it. God's got it. Somebody clap your hands like you know what I'm talking about. God's got it. And we need to take everything to the Lord in prayer. And that's why, again, saying so many years, we have had monthly prayer meetings here at the church because prayer is the power behind God's work. Prayer is the power behind this church. Prayer, somebody once said, is the TNT to the life of every believer. And the reason we lack power and dynamite in our lives is because we fail to pray. Can I ask you something? Maybe you feel like something's missing in your life as a Christian. Or could it be that you don't pray? Because if you don't pray, listen, you can read the Bible till you're blue in the face. Because the Bible is God's word, is God talking to you. This is God talking to you. Prayer is you talking to God. And you've got to have that two-way communication in order to have a relationship. It's not that hard. So we need to pray because it's important. It's the power behind the church. Listen at this story about the Prince of Preachers. I love it. I hope you enjoy it. C.H. Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. By the age of 17, he had a congregation number of around 3,000 in London about a century ago. And the church was being built called the Metropolitan Tabernacle, and it was huge. And ministers and preachers and church workers were coming from all over the world to see Spurgeon and see what the Lord was doing at the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And then one day on a Sunday afternoon, a group of ministers came in, and they were walking around the tabernacle that seated 7,000 people. And as they walked around, they saw a stout man over at the side of the building wearing bib overalls and assumed him to be the janitor. And they said, sir, would you be so kind as to show us the power plant of this beautiful structure? We would like to see where the heating comes from and, 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 uh, that, that heats this large building. And the man said, certainly. And so he led the group of ministers through a hallway and down a stairwell into a basement area. He walked through a narrow corridor and he came to a door and he opened it up and he said, brethren... This is the power plant of the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And these guys looked in, expecting to see some mighty furnace or some great heating system. But what they saw was over 200 men on their knees in prayer on this Sunday afternoon, praying for the Sunday evening service that would take place in just a few short hours. And the guy in the overall said, That's the power plant of the Metropolitan Tabernacle, a group of men who pray. And they stuck around for the service and they were surprised to see when the service began, a man stepped up to the stage and stood behind the pulpit. And he was the guy in the overalls who they thought was a janitor. He was actually C.H. Spurgeon. You see, Spurgeon knew where the power was, and Spurgeon knew where the fire was produced. And he had people praying for the work of the Lord at the Metropolitan Tabernacle. Any person. Any spiritually powerful person is a person of prayer. Can somebody say amen? Any church, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. That's okay, because it's true. And any church that is effective is a church that's praying. I remember some years ago, you know, because our church, I don't know if y'all noticed but our church is quite different than the average church. We're smarter than the average bear. I don't know why I said that. And... Uh, so some years ago, because our church is different, because our church is truly multicultural, and that's what I love about our church. We got all kind of people that go to our church. We have people, I love that, I'm gonna wait while you clap. I, I love that. And, 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 and for years, and some of y'all don't even know this, but for years, we had a predominantly white church. We had seven, eight, nine hundred people all white and maybe four or five black families for five, seven years. Some of y'all remember that. It was a predominantly white church. Well, the News and Disturber, I mean, the News and Observer, they, (laughs) that's a long story, don't ask. And, And, but they were just shocked. They were shocked. They were like, all these white people and there's a black senior pastor. So they wanted to do a story on us. And they said, well, can we do a story on you? I said, they were, at that time, it was about, you know, the New South and racial reconciliation. They were really into all that here in the Triangle about that time. And they said, you know, we'd like to do a story on you. I said, okay. And, I said, you, know, I, you know, I'm very careful about, you know, print media. And uh, I want to be quoted for what I say. Because if you print me in stories like that, News and Disturber, I'm going to talk about Jesus. And uh, somebody say Amen. And uh, they they asked me. They said, "So now we just really want to know how is it that you got a multicultural church?" I said, "Oh, you you asking me how how is it that I got the black people and the white people in the same church?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, I said, because at that, at that point, you know, m- more blacks were coming and it was, it was changing and things were, and God was bringing people. And, 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 and even now, I mean, we have people from Africa, from Nigeria, from East, uh, East, East, from Tanzania, East Africa. We have Indian people. We've got Asian people from China and from J- Japan, and we have Hispanic people. We've got an Hispanic ministry. I don't even, if you know this, but if you come to first service, then you don't know this. But at third service in the sound booth, um, there's a, a Hispanic, an elder here who translates the service while I'm preaching. So if you come in, and this is for some of your friends who may not speak English, and they, when you want to bring them to church, bring them the third service, and they can check out a hearing listening device, and they can sit anywhere in the sanctuary, and the service will be translated in Spanish. Isn't that awesome? That's just great.